0: Welcome to the, gosh, we're only two weeks away from the season edition of Sharing Socks. I am Southside Socks duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son, who is currently the downtown Chicago correspondent, since he's in rehearsals for the Cherry Orchard at the Goodman Theater. If he starts speaking Russian, okay. Uh, a lot ah. of Russian baseball fans, so we'll be, <laughs> we'll be in good shape. Obviously, with what came off, this we're recording uh, Monday morning. Obviously, with what came off uh, Sunday, we have to get to the elephant in the room who apparently is going to stay in the room all season. But first, uh, the White Sox survey, uh, which they do periodically, maybe once a quarter or so of, of fan attitudes came out. I went, yeah. But Will did it. What's on it?
1: I actually did do it. Uh, it's it's interesting. Um it's not just a bunch of softballs to tell us how great we are. There's a, there's a lot that talks about, you know, why do you come to games? Is it about spending time with family? Is it about socializing? Uh, there's an interesting section where it talks about the things that are most important to you, um, with a winning team being one, a great ballpark environment being one. Uh, and then uh, one that I was kind of interested in, is the game being played the right way was one that they...
0: I think, you know, I, I've done it in the past. I mean, I,
1: I've done it every time I've gotten
0: before. Today's the first time I went back. Uh I think that question's been in there for a while.
1: Well, it was interesting. It, it was interesting to see that question. I put that as a, a 10 for me. It was, it was my only 10. I didn't even put winning at a 10 because I can enjoy a baseball team that's not winning if they're playing the game the right way uh and ballpark experience uh it had you go through every player and list whether you know who they are or whether you don't know who they are or if you know them but they're not you're not on their side yet if they're growing on you if you like them if you only root for them in a game if you uh are your favorite or if they're one of your favorites uh and they send you through everybody so as hard but, as it was like
0: like 26 everybody's or 40 I, everybody's or
1: i i think it was closer to 26 but there were some guys in there uh nikki avila being one of them where i was like well he was first on the list so maybe it was alphabetical i wasn't actually paying attention burrito's not there
0: anymore well hold on anderson's
1: uh, got to come before avila <laughs> I don't think he did. Nick, Nick Avila was first on the list and you know, he was one of my, I haven't decided yet how I feel about <laughs> him guys. Uh, but they go through it and, and, um, but then I, I think the most interesting section talks about, uh, the disconnect or connect between the team and the fans. And that was kind of the section where I, I politely mouthed off a little bit. Uh, they were asking, do you feel like ownership? Do you feel like leadership has a connection to the city and the fans? And I was brutally honest there and that, no, I don't. I think this team stays hidden from its fans as much as possible. There's quite a bit of dishonesty, quite a bit of gaslighting from the team. Uh, so I encourage anyone out there to take this survey and, and share your feelings, uh, because there is an opportunity there, whether they really take it into account or not. Um, but they're spending the time and money and manpower to do this survey. So somebody's going to look at the results of the survey. So I would actually get on there and, and talk about that. Because I was very vocal about uh, Reinsdorf and his seeming disdain for not only the game of baseball, but for White Sox fans. Uh, I didn't get into Williams and Han because I didn't want them to think I'm a blogger. Uh, (laughs) um, but, but it's definitely, definitely worth, uh, you know, taking the, it only took, you know, five, 10 minutes to do the whole thing. So, uh, I, I would get out there and, and, and do that if you want to, if you want to be heard, which we so seldom are as White Sox fans, uh, if ever, we're all, we're virtually never heard. Um, there's a little talk about stadium stuff, pricing, that kind of thing, uh, stuff you'd expect from a, a preseason survey. Um, but I did appreciate the opportunity to talk about the team and its connection to the community and its connection to the fans, which I think neither are particularly impressive right now.
0: Um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure when, when you said the, the team, you're talking about the management team, not the, not the players individually. Where are
1: you? Well, they do talk about the, the, uh, the players connection to the community as well and how, how important getting to know the players and seeing the players in the community is for you as a fan. Uh, for me, it's pretty high because these are millionaires who have a lot of young supporters. So it's, it's pretty important to me. Um, like
0: Soxfest. It was, it was
1: so well attended. It's gone. Yeah. Just gone. So when you ask me how I feel about our connection to the team and they just cancel the one thing a year they do <laughs> that connects you to the team, uh I I had some some harsh words for that. Uh so hop on there, take the survey. You know. It might get you heard, it might get you not heard at all, but we'll see.
0: All right. Uh Another thing that just happened, I think, Monday morning, maybe late Sunday night, the White Sox sent six players to minor league camp, nothing unexpected. Uh, The big name, Coulson Montgomery, um, he wasn't going to come to the majors. We we knew that. Uh, My guess is, you go to minor league camp, you get a lot more reps. A lot more reps. And now we're getting into the final two weeks before the start of of the season, and the regulars are going to get... More time. I mean, regular pitchers are going to get real time. Uh, the starters are start building up innings, although Kopech and uh, the number five starter have not appeared as yet uh, in a real game. And, but, yeah, so those guys are down, and, that, and that's fine. They'll, they'll be doing more of that regularly. There's still 60
1: guys in the major league camp, so they've got a lot of room to go. A lot and, and of cuts over the next cuts weeks. A lot of pink slips in the locker. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, other things off, we can't ignore it, uh, other
0: things off the field on Sunday afternoon, and this was very curious to me, Sunday afternoon, the commissioner's office issued the report saying that there will be no punishment of Mike Clevenger, uh,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that he has volunteered to get uh, some uh, therapy with the Combined Union League. uh, Yeah. That which 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 does both drug and, and domestic violence counseling kind of stuff. Volunteer is like, you can volunteer to come down to the station with us, <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. the top show. Uh, I was very surprised. Uh, I thought I listened to that I mentioned before. I listened to the whole interview on the score. Uh, I thought she was very credible. Uh, apparently, Major League Baseball did not find her credible. After they issued that ruling, she posted on Instagram some of the comments she had gotten when she first went public. It's in January uh, from people, who, from women who have been maltreated by Mike Clevenger. And wow. <laughs> Major League Baseball said another interesting thing on the MLB reports we interviewed more than 15 people. Well, don't you know how
1: many you interviewed Don't you know, no, right, right yeah
0: can't you say we interviewed seventeen people
1: <laughs> it's, by, it's, by saying we interviewed more than fifteen people, what you're telling me is you interviewed sixteen people <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why I did mean why'd you say that yeah. uh and and then they said thousands of
0: communications. Your mother and I have been married for forty three years. They would be really hard pressed to come up with thousands of communications
1: between us over that spell that are still sure, on the record that they're,
0: they're still in our email or,
1: or on, on the uh, each text message counts as a communication
0: yeah
1: then you then thousands is pretty easy I would say my wife and I probably share six figures of text messages <laughs> in a year so yeah I mean it's like um, you know if you send a communication that says okay if that counts as a communication then all right that's where they're getting that number if it's in the thousands i was i was very surprised um you know surprised but not shocked i think would be uh what it was i i mean here's where we are we're we're in a situation where mlb claims to have done their due diligence and they claim that this guy did not violate whatever Policy, which is probably too lenient, but whatever policy is in place, he will not be punished. Um, I don't think there's any going back and looking at this again. I think Clevenger. I is think they said just, unless there's new information, or evidence. which you know, which she seems to have uh, put out pretty much right away after. Uh, but it's possible they had that information as well. I
0: think they. I think they probably did.
1: I would think they did. Um, so it's it's very you know you you expect or hope that m l b is going to do the right thing, and time and time again they tend to not do the right thing. you know it's true of all major sports organizations
0: they they knew they were going to get
1: a bunch of reporter interest because that's why they
0: released it on Sunday afternoon. Nobody's in the office, so real reporters can't call it deal with it. I hope. That some organization, be it the New York Times, be it the Trib or the the Sun-Times, will put a real reporter, Yeah, and and I would like it to be not a baseball reporter, a real reporter, uh, on the case to talk to Major League Baseball and find out their reasoning. Did they believe she's just a liar? We know Mike Clevenger's a liar. We know from his history he is a huge liar. She may be, too. We don't know that. Boy, she sounded good on the score. I heard of, and the things that, that are reported they're not don't sound like the kind of things you make up. You know, it's not the first yeah, thing that comes to I'm, mind if you're trying to screw a guy. I mean uh, we're we're
1: we're sitting on the outside of it and, and there is nothing about it that that seems sc- sketchy to me. You know, there's just there's not. MLB
0: trade rumors uh interestingly after their story. No comments. Comments are cut off. That's been interesting to see that. Uh, one of the other blog sites, really, oh, oh, they yeah. turned um, off. They do that comments? periodically on that kind of thing. No comments are allowed.
1: Well, I uh, I get that yeah, because you're going to have stuff, a lot of you have crazy
0: stuff. both directions.
1: Exactly. You're going to have a lot of really hateful stuff put on there.
0: Yeah. Uh, comments were on another uh, Sox blog site, and you had some of the totally misogynistic things come up. And you had some of the totally, I'm done with the White Sox for the rest of my life stuff come up. Probably both of those things will come toward the middle of time. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very strange thing uh, for it to Which, occur. In. And I believe the White Sox cannot punish him.
1: The White Sox cannot punish did,
0: him. Did not turn it over to them for discipline. So if he comes out at, so he's there. I mean, he's there for the year unless he has a 605 ERA and they can have an excuse to dump him on baseball reasons, uh, which is not unlikely given how he's pitched since he had his second Tommy John. Uh, but that, okay. So that one, that's there presumably. I mean, the, there. the
1: White Sox are in a very, you know, it, we even said, you know, it's going to be hard to root for the White Sox if they keep Mike Clevenger. Well, the White Sox can't. Do anything about having Mike Clevenger right now. Legally, they can't do anything about it. So, you know, they're probably not happy. They're stuck with Mike Clevenger with these distractions, and also the fact that he's probably not going to produce all that much interesting on the on the baseball diamond. But the White Sox are stuck with him, and and you know, I think the best we can do as fans at this point, you know, because there are a lot of good guys on that team that. You know, we, we should be supporting and, and keep our fandom. I think the best thing we can do is show up to the ballpark and boo the hell out of the guy. Just boo him until the sun goes down. Just make it clear we don't want him throwing a single pitch so that when that ERA creeps to 501, he gets booted. And, and that's, I think, the best we can do. The fans have to, you know, rally behind this piece of crap. Guy and 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 make our voices heard on how much we don't yeah, like and, this guy, like and, we and did with Larusa. But this guy's way more expendable than the owner's best friend. Um and and I and I think one thing that 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 you mentioned
0: in there is the fandom. There's also the clubhouse. Now to go to another far far different human being, Jose Abreu, who in the past week has said some things about the White Sox, you know, mild-mannered Jose, trying to be the team leader Jose, work his tail off every single day, unlike anybody else on the team. Jose was really kind of tearing it up and acting like the problems went beyond Tony La Now He didn't say it, and he was very polite in what he said. He was being asked questions, and he was answering them. Uh, But it sounded like all those rumors last year of a really – dysfunctional clubhouse were correct. And Clevenger is not going to make your clubhouse more functional. You're going to have guys that are a hundred percent with him. Yeah, 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 boy, what a lying <laughs> she was. And you're going to get guys that are going, I don't know how he got away with that. That's not going to make for a real smooth group sitting around chatting before and after games and, and flying to, to uh, series with each other. So it's a it's a very very difficult situation for them, I think, as a team.
1: I I really respect uh, what Abreu said. Actually, I know a lot oh, of White yeah. Sox fans are upset about it, but I I think it was something that needed to be said, and something that needed to be said by someone like him, because we as White Sox fans tr- have trusted Jose Abreu for the better part of a decade, and. I don't think we're wrong about that. I think Jose Abreu is a a good dude. And him talking about that dysfunction, you know, confirmed our beliefs. Yes, you can say, you know, it's not just La Russa. Well, a lot of the stuff that's going to come under the manager's position is going to be because of the manager. And and because of a lack of leadership, a lack of control. But, you know, we are a very divided country right now. That division goes all the way into the baseball clubhouse. We definitely have some guys who lean more on the proud scale than other guys are likely to lean, Clevenger being one of them. So now you've thrown that into the mix. I'm not going to get into, you know, uh, the the racial dynamics, but we're going to, put out five starting pitchers who are white guys and we have a team that's a lot of not white guys. And, you know, I know Dylan is love, uh, far leaner on that side. Clevenger, Ben Attendee. Uh, I, I hope that that doesn't come into the clubhouse. I hope these guys can can be adults and, and be, respect each other and do what they need to do. But these also you know, not everybody, but a lot of them aren't geniuses in terms of things outside of baseball. And I'm not a genius in terms of a lot of things outside of what I do. So I, I worry about the clubhouse dynamic. Um, but I, again, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Pedro Griffal, who I do think has his head on his shoulders.
0: He, he's certainly saying
1: everything right in every way he seems to be
0: doing. That. Oh, one thing, this old. We're going to talk on the field in, in a moment. When Saturday, I love this because we've been talking about with the new rule changes. Sox stole five bases. There they didn't steal any on Sunday, but on Saturday, they stole five. Uh, that shows that they're out there working and hustling and, and trying to take advantage of the new rules and what they do for speed. And 100%, 100%. And that's for fall. And I, and I think. And not just not being Tony LaRusso, that's the most important thing, but I, I think in a very positive sense, he's going to be great.
1: Now, and the, the survey be, actually – the survey did actually ask what our impressions, first impressions of Pedro Grafal are. Uh, and I I gave a, a very good review on how I think he's going to change the, the clubhouse culture and the work ethic of the team. I do actually have a lot of faith in Pedro. I do. What What – what
0: we'll wait for is during the regular season when somebody loafs down to first base and isn't in the game the next inning.
1: That, that's yeah. what I'm waiting for. Which uh, will be a big change from the previous manager who told them uh, to loaf encouraged to first base. <laughs> loafing to first base for the first time in baseball history. We do have to take our break there. We will come back and talk more about what's going on on the field. Uh, and, and we'll continue to talk about some of these rule changes. Actually, a pretty interesting social media video on Instagram from the White Sox interviewing the pitchers about who they thought was going to be bad with the new rules. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back on Sharing Socks. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We talked, uh, you know, clubhouse hardship and also uh, the long-haired elephant in the room. Uh, but now let's talk a little bit more baseball. So uh, we've got these new rules. Right before the break, we talked about uh, stealing some bases. We're starting to, you know, maybe see a, a little more uh, activity on the bases, a little more hustle. Some of the new rules will affect that. But one of the new rules and has probably been the most glaring new rule has been pitch clock. Uh, we have seen a lot of weird pitch clock things happen, uh, including, uh, a, a Max Scherzer double play that was recalled because he didn't get the ball off in time, uh, and <laughs> had to keep pitching to that batter. So instead of getting two outs, he had to keep had to keep pitching so interesting stuff there but the white Sox released a an instagram video they've been doing a fun thing where they uh have a question of the day and the guys all come up and they answer the question most of them very little uh presence as entertainers i'll say uh Well, you know, some, you know,
0: you haven't had a chance yet to train Tim Anderson at doing commercials, but I, I hope that opportunity will man, come up since you're a town. We,
1: we are not a, we are not a, a showbiz team. I can tell you that, but they, uh, interestingly, and I, I thought it was kind of gutsy by the social media team asked all the pitchers, which pitcher was going to have the hardest time with the pitch clock. Uh, and there were, There was, you know, some variation in in answering. But the biggest ones to come back, most consistent, were Matt Foster and Dylan Sees. And one of these, I haven't looked at at how Foster pitches. I'm guessing he he takes a long time. Although they were actually saying that uh, the players were explaining why, which I thought was cool. Uh, Foster, I guess, uh, moves his legs a lot and flaps his glove a lot when he's getting set so they said that he's he's gonna have a hard time
0: well that's another new rule yeah Yeah,
1: exactly uh and with cease they were like the guy uh i think it was uh giolito said he takes 25 minutes between pitches (laughs) uh actually giolito was talking about he wasn't talking about cease he was talking about someone else who takes 25 minutes between pitches I can't remember who it was, but Cease and uh, and, and it might have been Foster were the ones where they were saying uh, these guys are going to have a hard time. I, I completely agree with Cease. I mean, I, he's going to have to be a completely different pitcher. He he took so much darn time, you know, taking off the hat. Uh, one reason they gave, I, I think it might have been uh, Jose Ruiz said, it's likely going to be Cease because he goes to the rosin bag between almost every single pitch and oh, he, he said that off. he said that that's going to be a big problem because he has to step off and go to the bag and do his thing and then he fixes his hat and his belt and his pants and then he goes up so we are going to have to see a very different style of pitching from Dylan Cease this year and i don't know if that's going to be good for him i don't I mean, you know we've talked about Cease a ton on this podcast of course I've always been right about how good Cease was going to be this could Be a season where Cease actually Backtracks a tiny bit early on While he's trying to figure out A faster way to Do what he does because he really Did take his sweet 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 time uh, Throwing his 120 Pitches in three and a third innings Over the last couple seasons uh, Do you have any, any any Thoughts on that stuff
0: uh no I I, I do think it's to be very but the mention of the rosin bag they won't be able to do a thing where they go to the mound and then oh no I need rosin where they step off to get it you, I guess you can go to the rosin bag before you ever get to the rubber right um but that could if if they can't do the extra with the rosin bag which is the legal way to get a grip on the ball I uh, wonder if it'll affect spin rates that'll it be a hundred percent will
1: affect spin rates and. If there's a pitcher out there who's going to be hurt by spin rates being affected, it's Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease's whole game is based on spin rate. He has, you know, some of the most majestic spin rates in all of baseball, in all of ever in baseball that we know of that's been reported. And
0: and, and the difference was, and that's interesting because their spin rate and their spin direction, in the years he was not doing well, I read a long analysis with video of how his spin was useless. He had huge spin rates, but the direction of the spin was such that it wasn't making the ball break that he wanted to break, I think especially on the fastball. Uh, apparently that changed, you know. Yeah. They got they got his grip altered. I mean, it's just a matter of a slight angle change on your grip, and and they got that done, and he was awesome last year. I think he's going to fade back some of this year, not to be bad. I think he's still going to be very good, but just inevitable. He was. He was incredible last year. And I think, Jay lead will be better. And I think that'll balance out in that. Um, I
1: I do think, I I mean, I think Cease is legitimately a a very, very good pitcher. Now my my only, my only thoughts on the setback is going to be the fact that he's got to work almost twice as fast (laughs) (laughs) as he's used to working, which is a huge thing when you're talking about breath and, and being able to build back up and, and get that grip on the ball because he takes for, ever to grip the ball I mean you see him when he's pitching you see him working that glove I mean he is like really digging into that thing so if the bag thing becomes an issue if grip becomes an issue we could see a a rough April for Dylan Sees.
0: things that have happened on the field in in uh, spring training I gotta get in my Hanser Alberto (laughs) the two hottest now. Anything in the record, pitchers, hitters, whatever. At this point, is still, you know, Benatendi I think has one hit. Uh, some of them, it is for real. You know, Linet Sosa's hitting one twenty six. That's about what Lenin Sosa's is going to hit. Uh, Haysley is hitting four twenty nine. Brian Ramos is hitting four seventeen. Not going to happen. Not going to be in the majors. Aloy is hitting 500. Hell, he could hit 500. <laughs> he
1: mean, could. could yeah. He really could hit 500.
0: The, uh, Oscar lost a big deal, 369. That's nice. I think he starts in right field day one. I, I think that's answered unless when the major league – now, this is mostly against minor league pitching. When the major leaguers come in, if he's struggling, then then that could change. But right now, he's the right fielder on day one. Alberto, Hansar Belger is hitting 500. So I looked him up. He's a lifetime 270-something hitter. For a middle infielder, that's really good. He was yeah. not good last year. He hit 244. But then I then I thought, let's look a little deeper into this, and I looked at splits, and his platoon splits oh, are no. unbelievable. You talk about, well, he's got big platoon splits for an average guy, and it'll mean his batting average is 40% lower against righties than lefties, and his OPS is 100 points lower, you know. Alberto is 100, almost, it's around 90 something, but about 100 points lower career and last year in batting average. Wow. Righty to lefty. And almost 200 points lower on OPS. So he cannot hit right handers at all. And this is another Rick Hahn question. Why did he go get a guy? Now, it's a minor league contract. It's not taking away from anybody else.
1: Right, right. Why
0: did he want to go get a guy who can't hit? right-handed pitching when the White Sox whole problem is they don't hit right-handed pitching well, and they absolutely destroy left-handers.
1: They don't yeah, need another guy who can hit left he, he wanted to stay on brand, I guess, because <laughs> that is that is really crazy how big that split is, and – yeah, I mean, we don't face lefties because we mash them so much. We face almost all righties. As much as the team can avoid throwing a lefty at us, they well, do. In the playoffs, you're never going to see a lefty. Yeah, we will never like see a lefty Virgil. in the playoffs. Well, it's interesting. I mean, as you said, nothing really matters yet. Um, but I will say this. I, I, I don't watch the spring training games except for occasional highlights. and But I do check the box score every day. and. I gotta say, the guys who are fighting for a job are fighting for a job.
0: Oh yeah. And,
1: and, and I am, for them. Not, I'm looking at these cheats and I'm like, I, I don't know how you don't keep this guy. I don't, and of course it's very early. I'm going to know in two weeks how we don't <laughs> keep people. You guys, I can hear like listeners be like, you idiot. Uh, no, I know, but it's cool to see these veterans. Playing so well and playing so hard, trying to get on this team. And, and that is one of those things that makes me think Pedro Grafal has their ear and has, and is motivating them, has little, little flame under their butts because these are guys who are almost certainly going to play minor league baseball, but they are out here legitimately working to prove that wrong. And it's actually, it's given me a lot of respect for Hanser Alberto respect as much as I can have for Adam Hazley. You know, these, these guys are are playing some decent baseball right now. It's exciting to see. I would love to see some better production from our guys who are definitely going to be on the team that shows, Oh, I want to keep my job. I want to protect my job because those are the guys we really need to ignite because they've been. You know, sort of lackluster for the last couple of years, but it has been exciting to see these these guys, and and you know maybe one of them and, will make the team. From and all they're actually effort. going
0: to get a little more playing time than you normally would in the second half of spring training because you got so many guys at the WBC. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, Luis is gone. Ioana is gone. So you've got two of your mainstay players, your core. Eloy. Uh, and Loy is gone. Three. I mean, most of your core is yeah. is, is really gone. Uh, 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 Tim. Oh, yeah. I forgot. If, if, if Tim hasn't played at all in the spring other than an inning or two. So I kind of forgot. Although he played over the weekend. But, yeah, I, I kind of forgot forgot about Tim. That's hard to do.
1: So four of your eight position players are not going to be there. Uh, Eloy, you know, being DH and, pre- and really outfielder.
0: all four who have been the core for multiple years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So these guys are going to get to keep playing, which I think is going to tell us a lot. Uh, I, like you mentioned earlier on the podcast with uh, Oscar Colos, who's hitting 369 right now, we're going to see a lot more of Oscar Colos. We are actually going to get to learn. Uh, if this guy is capable of being a major league starter in a few weeks here, and he ran uh, into
0: a fence over the, I think on Sunday there was <gasps> he walked away from it. He's fine. Oh,
1: okay, so he's already in better shape than most of the guys on our team. That's that's great to hear. But I am excited by seeing these guys play. I, you know, I'd love to see Billy Hamilton fight his way into this. Uh, into the major league roster. I would love to see it happen. I want to see some more of Billy. I want to see him swiping more bags in spring training. I want to see that speed and that energy and that love of the game. But I actually think if we can take away something from spring training so far, which, you know, we really can't. That's why I'm not sitting here talking about how our only pitchers... Oh, who...
0: You're, you're going to mention the fact that we have to be really scared of the Royals
1: who have a three-game lead over the entire cactus League. <laughs> That's well, we should be afraid of the Royals anyway, because the Royals have our number, even when they are barely a major league baseball team. They have our number, but I think the thing we can take away, uh, that's that's fun is seeing these veterans, uh, really showing out pretty early on. I, it gives me a lot of hope for the, the mentality in the dugout, the mentality in the clubhouse, the mentality in the coaching staff. Because clearly these guys know that they have to fight. They have to work hard. They have to play better than they did last year in order to get the good job. I love seeing that from these guys early in spring training. I love seeing it. Because what does that do? That motivates your young guys to keep getting better. You know, these guys who thought, well, certainly Hanser Hansel Alberto and Adam Hazley aren't going to be in competition. Well, now they are. And now you got these young guys who know, i got to work even harder. Because these guys are vets. I got to work even harder to get there. And I I think that's what makes spring training interesting to begin with. I think spring training overall is pretty uninteresting baseball. But I I do like the aspect of seeing the vets showing out to get on the roster, seeing the young guys rise up to try to beat those vets. That's how great baseball players get made, is that competition, that healthy competition within the team that's egged on by coaching staff that really wants – uh, a culture in the clubhouse that says play hard, fundamental baseball, do well, you get to play in the pros. And I, I have high hopes for that. That is about all the time we have for today though. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, sign off here? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, no. <laughs> cool. What a, what it's a spring
0: training. <laughs> I don't have to have clothes.
1: That is absolutely true. You are currently spring training your brain to get ready for the genius takes we will have throughout the season. I can already hear uh our boss, Brett Valentini, rolling his eyes uh as I mentioned the genius takes I will have throughout the season. Uh But there will be good ones, we promise. So hang in there, keep listening. We are just a, a couple weeks away from real baseball and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.